As I mentioned, this summer is full of guest speakers that have been remarkable, and today is no different. We have Esther Nicholson with us, author of Soul Recovery, 12 Keys to Healing Dependence. She's a teacher, healer, recording artist, former addict, who brings her incredible journey of transformation to a practical curriculum, addressing the causes and effects of dependence as they occur in contemporary living. Ms. Nicholson infuses the 12-step process with added spiritual concepts and teachings that transform the treatment of dependence, addiction, crisis living, living, and suffering through her articles, seminars, music, and keynote speaking appearances. A gifted vocal artist in her own right, her musical career includes tours with Rod Stewart and Bette Midler, which is pretty cool, and appearances on such television shows as Oprah, The Tonight Show, The View, Good Morning America, and The Ellen DeGeneres Show. Esther survived the ravages of addiction to discover something truly extraordinary, how to transform dependence into power. So it's a great pleasure this morning to introduce to you Esther Nicholson. Um, She's going to have a workshop that we'll talk about a little bit uh, later, but this morning we are delighted to have you. Join me in welcoming Esther Nicholson. Thank you. So I'm going to be talking a lot about change and transformation in my talk today. I want to talk about recovery, but not recovery in the typical way that we usually talk about it, as in recovering from something. I want to talk about the recovery of something, the recovery of that, that power and freedom and life and love within us that is the absolute truth of who we are that may have gotten buried deep beneath the dust and grit of a challenging journey. I want to talk about the rediscovery of a sense of empowerment and confidence and freedom that we may not know is even possible for us. I want to talk about reawakening to our essential nature of wholeness that we may have fallen asleep to. So I want to talk about the 12 steps of recovery. And how many of you are familiar with the 12 steps of recovery? So there are many of you that are. And there are a lot of you who might believe that the 12 steps are for those folks over there. People with, with addictions typically associated with drugs, alcohol, food, sex, gambling, and the like. But I've come to view the 12 steps of recovery as a perfect set of spiritual principles that can not only address life-threatening addictions, as just mentioned, but can also address life-diminishing addictions, the less obvious life-diminishing addictions, like the addiction to chronic fear and worry. Can I get an amen? The addiction to acute procrastination where you are making the same commitments to yourself over and over and over again just to find yourself in the same rut the next year. Can I get an amen? The addiction to the illusion that somehow you are unworthy and not good enough. The addiction to living a life so much smaller than the life you are destined to live. So I'm not here to talk about your cousin 
and your sister who might be addicted to drugs and alcohol. I'm here to talk to you. Is that all right? (laughs) I've also discovered that the 12 steps of recovery, coupled with metaphysical principles, have the power to heal deep core emotional issues that the 12 steps alone are not designed to address, and that metaphysical teachings alone are not designed to address without the accountability and right action of the 12 steps. Because we try to practice these metaphysical teachings and these affirmative prayer and all of that, and it can't get through through that unhealed static operating at the core of our consciousness. Can I get an amen? And I was one of those people where, where being around in the 12 steps for years and years and years, I found that I was still suffering from the same grave emotional disorders that I started off with. And in metaphysics, there are so many of us in unity and new thought teachings that are still walking around saying the same affirmations and the same prayer treatments and, and, and struggling to meditate and struggling to connect with our wholeness, even after being around for a long time. And because I was one of those people, I had to find a way to bridge the gap between these two very powerful healing modalities that allowed me to forgive the unforgivable and to heal in areas in my life where I once felt hopeless. So let me share with you how I've come to this. 30 years ago, I was addicted to crack cocaine, to compulsive overeating, and to all sorts of emotional, self-sabotaging addictions. I was in and out of treatment centers for six years and at the mercy of anyone who would allow me to sleep on their couch for the night. My addictions left me jobless, homeless, and after being labeled an unfit mother for a while, childless. It took two years for me to string 30 consecutive days of clean time together. Now, you would think after losing my child for a while and being jobless and losing my dignity on the unforgiving streets of South Central Los Angeles, that that would have been the bottom I needed to surrender and change my life. But that wasn't my story. My bottom actually came by way of sweet grace in the form of a taxi driver whom I had hailed to take me into the hood to buy some drugs. And instead of doing as I had instructed him to do, he pulled his cab over to the side of the road. He shut down the ignition, and he turned to face me in the back seat. And he said, young lady, please don't kill yourself today. You don't have to live this way anymore. Now, the miracle wasn't that this guy said this to me. I'd heard this plea many times during my six years in the desert, as I like to call it. The miracle was is that in this sweet moment of grace, Everything within me lined up, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And, and, and in, in an instant, the veil of illusion, the veil of separation parted, and I caught a glimpse of seeing myself the way God saw me. How many of you have caught a glimpse of seeing yourself the way God sees you? One, that's okay. I caught a glimpse of seeing myself the way God saw me, and I saw myself free from 
fear and worry and low self-esteem and feeling unworthy. I caught a glimpse of myself walking in my own brand of dignity. I caught a glimpse of my own magnificence. And I missed her. And I wanted her back. And I became homesick. Homesick for my true self. Homesick for my God self. How many of you are homesick for your true self? And so I said, yes. Yes. I want to live. But I don't want to just get clean from drugs and alcohol. I want to live life fully. I want to be and do what I am here, what I was created in this incarnation to be and do. And I, and I, and I, and I heard the universe say, yeah, be careful what you ask for, because it's on now. And that was the beginning of my long journey to spiritual and emotional recovery. And I call it the long journey to spiritual and emotional recovery because there I was with my 30 consecutive days of clean time. And I thought I was cured. I thought I was healed. Little did I know that all of the deep childhood emotional traumas and wounds and illusions of not enoughness and and, and unworthiness that had been numbed out by the drugs, were now fully thought out, alive, and active in my mind. Can I get an amen? I realized that I was addicted to fear long before I became addicted to crack cocaine. I was addicted to the illusion that I was unworthy and not enough long before I became addicted to compulsive overeating. I was addicted to the self-sabotaging behavior of procrastination that had me making the same New Year's resolution with the same broken, disconnected mind that had broken it the year before. And I was addicted to the disempowering mental chatter that kept telling me the same lies about myself over and over and over again. So I know I've used the word addiction a lot. So let's get clear about what addiction actually is. Addiction is when you are so attached to a belief system, a thought pattern, or a way of being that you become enslaved to it or in bondage or in bondage to it to the degree that you don't know yourself separate and apart from those patterns. You think that is the truth of who you are. And the thought of releasing those ways of being, those beliefs and those patterns is frightening to the ego because it's, we've taken it on as our true identity. But until we do release it or allow ourselves to be transformed, as scripture says, by the renewing of our minds, these patterns, they become the master and we are the slaves. I've been around for 30 years I've been in recovery for 30 years. I've been a licensed spiritual practitioner for 20 years. And still, when it's time for me to release another belief system, another habit, another pattern that no longer serves me, even though I know that something powerful is seeking to emerge through me, I know that something wonderful is trying to birth itself through me, I still get scared. Why do I get scared? 
Because I know that this way of being that I have taken on as my identity, that I've falsely taken on as the truth, it has to die. And it has to die because it's not big enough for the big life that I've said yes to. How many of you are holding on to habits and patterns that's not big enough for the big life that you've said yes to? Only one of you. Okay. And the reason that we are so afraid of transformation, the reason that we are so afraid of change is because change feels like death. Transformation feels like the annihilation of everything that we have become familiar with. I'm sure that when the caterpillar is going through that chrysalis stage of turning into a butterfly, if it had words, it would probably say something like, damn, I didn't mean all this. I think I want to stay a butter. I think I, th- I think I want to stay a caterpillar. Never mind for all that growth stuff. I'll just stay a caterpillar. This is cool. I can't tell you how many times I've said that to the universe. I'll stay a caterpillar. I'm cool. And the universe says, oh, no, baby. You've come too far. I have plans for you. I know who you are. There are wings waiting for you. Right in the midst of you. I got your back. But you've got to grow. You've got to give up your little life that you've taken on as your identity. Scripture says if we try to hold on to our little lives, we will lose our souls. But if we let go of what we think is our life, our position, our, 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 our perspectives, our, our patterns, that we will have life everlasting. And this meets new thought. Because it simply means as long as we try to hold on to our resentments and our self-righteous anger and our fear and our ways of being, that we disconnect in consciousness from the very power we're seeking. But if we allow, if we become willing to become willing to become willing, we allow something within us to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we reconnect to our very souls. Bill Wilson, founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, says that all, ad- all addiction has its foundation in a spiritual malady, a mental obsession, and a physical allergy. This meets new thought because a spiritual malady simply means that you have forgotten that you're one with God. You've forgotten where home is. And when you have forgotten that you are one with God, this creates emotional dysfunction and emotional dis-ease where we become obsessed with getting the external world to give us a sense of ease and comfort that only reconnecting to our souls can give us. And that's called the mental obsession. And every time we revisit the familiar pathways of a mental obsession, whether it's an emotional addiction or a physical addiction or whatever it is that you're enslaved to or in bondage to, there's a, a chemical that is actually released from our brain called endorphins or dopamine or whatever it is that it's called. And it's not that it feels good. It feels familiar. We're addicted to what feels familiar. And that's called the physical allergy. And whenever we are experiencing a spiritual malady, a mental obsession, or a physical allergy in any area of your life, look at that area in your life where you're in bondage 
you've become enslaved to. You've taken it on as your identity, and you can't imagine yourself without it, even though it's causing you misery and pain. Whenever you're experiencing a spiritual malady, a mental obsession, and a physical allergy in any area of your life, guess what? I'm getting ready to say a bad word that we don't say in unity. Is that okay? You're powerless. Now, powerlessness is not an affirmation that we want to pull over and park in. Admitting powerlessness when we can admit it from the place of sweet surrender that Jesus the Christ talked about when he said, of myself, I can do nothing. Of myself, I can do nothing. I can't do it. The 10th step in the recovery process, no, I'm sorry, the 11th step in the recovery process says, I pray only for knowledge of God's will and the power to carry that out. But therein lies the problem, because if you can't access the power because there's too much unhealed static on the line, then you can't demonstrate in your life the goodness that is your divine birthright, then you are powerless. Yes? I remember a little while ago, I had a dilemma in my life, and I was trying to figure it out. I was thinking really hard. How many of you have just thought yourself into a coma? <laughs> right? Trying to figure out the solution from the place of the problem. Can I get an amen? And I was exhausted. Sweating and everything. Just tired. Right? Frustrated. And I finally got, uh, this isn't mine to do. And this wonderful affirmation came through me. And I decided that every time my mind would try to think of a new solution to fix my life and tell God how to do it, that for seven days I was going to do this affirmation. And I think this affirmation should be in the daily word. I think it should be in all metaphysical books because it is the most powerful affirmation that I've ever heard. You want to know what it was? I don't know crap. And I said this affirmation for seven days. Every time I tried to rethink, every time I tried to think of how to fix my life, I'd say, I don't know crap, which is a wonderful metaphysical way of saying, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. I don't know how to do it, spirit. But there's a power within me that knows how to do it. And that is the first step of recovery from a metaphysical perspective, not admitting powerlessness from a place of failure and defeat and an affirmation, but admitting powerlessness from a place of getting your finite power out of the way so that you can tap into the infinite power that knows the way when there appears to be no way. Can I get an amen? And, 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 and we, we, we get out of the way and allow this infinite power to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves by going into the second step of recovery where it says we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And this meets new thought because, first of all, the power greater than yourself is your real self. It's not in the rooms of recovery or in the church or in the books. It's within you, nearer than your hands and feet, closer than your breath. And restore means to bring something back to its original nature of perfection. You were not created in the image and likeness of addiction and unworthiness and lack and limitation. You were created in the, in the image and likeness of the power that creates galaxies. 
But this power can only restore you to wholeness. There's a condition to that. And that's if you go into the third step and make a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of this power as you understand this power. And I like to say if the God of your understanding ain't working for you, it's time to get a new understanding or it's time to get a new God. Can I get an amen? And then steps four through seven, it says we take an inventory in our consciousness, in our lives, of what's working and what's not working. We become aware of that static, of that toxic negative, those toxic negative beliefs that's blocking us from having this wonderful conscious connection to the divine. I like to say, you can't heal what you won't acknowledge. And you can't acknowledge what you're not aware of. Let me hear you say that. I can't heal what I won't acknowledge. And I can't acknowledge what I'm not aware of. So steps four through seven helps you to become aware. Oh, my God, I can't believe this, these are the beliefs I've been holding on to. Oh, my God, I can't believe I had that blind spot. Oh, my God, this is what's blocking me. This is what's making my life so hard. And in steps eight through ten, you get to take compassionate responsibility for the mistakes that you've made because hurt people hurt other people. Is that right? And scripture says, if you have gifts to bring to the altar, but you have aught against your brother, go make it right with your brother and then bring your gifts to the altar. That's the ninth step of recovery. Made amends except when to do so would injure them or others. And by the time you get to step 11, it says we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. Now the static has been removed. You've done the house cleaning. You've cleaned up your side of the street. And now you, are, you have the spiritual power, authority, and dominion to connect to that infinite power that is nearer than your hands and feet, closer than your breath. Now you have the power that when you say an affirmation of mountain be moved, it will be moved. Now you have the power to say yay, yay, or nay, nay. Now you have the power to say peace be still in the midst of a storm, and there will be peace. Now you have the spiritual power and authority. And when you're at this place... In, 12, in, the, in, in, in step 12, now you are prepared to be of maximum service to the planet because it is the Father, Mother, God presence within you doing for you what you could never do for yourself. Now you are recovered. Now you are restored to wholeness. Now you are home. Peace and blessings. <laughs>